This morning, Lord willing, we'll look at verse 22 down through 25. Last week, as uh, Peter continued this letter to this church under great persecution, which he has encouraged and given exhortations to, last week he gave them reasons why they and we should walk with the fear of God throughout our stay here on earth. And he's talking to believers in the context of that. And we went into great detail to see how, yes, as believers, we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is secure in him. But absolutely, when we get saved, we get an account with the Lord. And we're going to give an account of that account. We talked about that beam of seat judgment. And so Peter says, listen, conduct yourself with great fear in your time here on earth, knowing you're going to be judged knowing we are going to stand before the Lord and we want to be a people that hear, well done, the good and faithful servant, a people that, you know what, the Lord has a crown for us, Lord willing, multiple crowns, not for us to strut around in heaven for eternity, but absolutely to put them at the feet of the Lord to worship Him. And so we went into a lot of details in that and looked at a lot of cross-references and so forth. The Lord talked about that a lot. And then we also saw the fact that we should walk with the fear of God here on earth because our redemption is no small matter. We haven't been redeemed by things that are perished because every soul on this earth is more valuable than everything that's on this earth. We instead have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God who sent His Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who came into this world, lived a sinless life, went to the cross of Calvary to atone for our sins. We know life is in the blood. He laid His life down for us. He rose from the grave, and we're saved by grace through faith in Him. And so absolutely, we want to be a people that move in reverence for our God knowing again our salvation is no small matter. Well, this morning, we're going to see Peter continuing upon that call that we've got in this first chapter to be holy as the Lord is holy. We're going to talk about the fact that we've been purified, as we just talked about with the gospel, positionally before God through believing in the Lord. But we are called to purify our own souls practically through obeying the gospel through obeying the word of God in our day-to-day lives. We're going to see that, again, we've been saved through the seed of the word of God, the incorruptible word of God, absolutely to make it our aim through the help of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, we'll speak of the Holy Spirit and that help today and the help of the word of God to live incorruptible lives, to live holy lives unto the Lord. And as we've been emphasizing We'll talk about again this morning. You don't lose life in doing that. You gain life. Abundant life is found in walking, you know, with a close walk with the Lord Jesus. To want to be a people, again, not walking with a self-righteousness or pride or, you know, at a, a uh, you know, at a holier than thouness, if uh, you allow me to make up a word there. But walking with a humility but wanting to be a people that live for the lord according and this is huge in it the scriptures not our feelings or what we deem right or wrong but what do the scriptures say and again we'll close this this morning as peter talks about man you know his glory comes and goes but the scriptures the word of god endures forever and i believe this thing will just wrap together real nice what we're going to look at here so that's a little bit of where we've been and where we're going Let's read verse 22 down through verse 25 and get into this this morning. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, <clears throat> excuse me, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and the glory of man is as the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower fades away or falls away but the word of the lord endures forever now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you so notice how he starts here since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth and let's talk about purification and you know a couple terms that i use a lot is positionally and practically and hopefully you guys know what i'm talking about when i mention that if not hopefully you'll know that after this positionally would be that place where we are in christ before the lord 
And there's only two positions before the Lord. It's you're under the law and in your sins and you're under God's wrath and damned to hell. That is the position you do not want to be in. The other position is I have put faith in Jesus so I am saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm no longer under the law that downs me under the grace of God that saves me. I'm covered as, you know what we talk about often, I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb or my life is seen through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So positionally, I'm right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Practically, again, is how we are living our life. How we are living day in and day out. Because again, as we saw last week, we're going to give an account for how we practically live our lives. Even though positionally, we're right with God Almighty. So I use those terms for us to help understand the difference between those. And absolutely, he says here, since you have purified your souls. And so let's talk about, first of all, the fact that we have been positionally purified through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when we get born again, as Peter talks about here in this passage. And again, we get born again through the good news. And the good news always starts with bad news, or as you guys know, it's just news. And the Lord laid on my heart again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. We see bad news here in the first few verses that we're going to read. He says, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? We really, really need to take that to heart. The unrighteous are those that don't have right standing with God. Those that are not positionally right with God by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to know that because even in Christianity, there's a lot of people running around saying, well, all roads lead to heaven and everyone will inherit the kingdom of God and a God of love won't send anyone to hell. That's not scriptural. Our sin separates us from God Almighty. Sin is rebellion. Sin brings death. And listen, heaven is not going to be marked by sin and death. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then notice what he says next. Do not be deceived. And look, at that's not there just as filler. That is put there because there's so much deception in this area. As I always say, no Christian should have a coexist bumper sticker on their car. It should be, Jesus is the only way. And look, at the Lord is the one that proclaims that and makes that clear. Because he's the only one that dealt with the sin issue. He's the only one who has made the way for forgiveness. So he says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, do not be deceived. And look, at if you're like, well, my sins that I walked in don't really fall under these categories heavily. Unrighteousness covers them all unrighteous not right before god almighty they will not inherit the kingdom of god because there's an impurity there of sin that god's not going to begin bring into glory but praise god for verse 11 praise god for the good news notice and such were some of you but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus by the spirit of our god so listen our souls were purified positionally when we put faith in jesus christ we were washed of our sins and now we're in right standing with god the father through the work of the cross through the work of jesus christ this is sadly though there are as many that don't want to be washed and many others that don't think they need to be washed proverbs thirty twelve says there's a generation that is pure in its own eyes and yet not washed from its filthiness and i look around our world today and listen it it just seems like sin is abounding like a runaway freight train it is just everywhere and i'm perplexed because in the midst of all of that it seems that we live in a very very self-righteous culture have you noticed that you know progressive christianity which is not christianity at all the social gospel it's pretty much entirely based on self righteousness where individuals think they're right before others and right before god because they're some sort of victim and others think they're right before god and others because 
they, you know what, don't put faith in the Lord, but through their works, you know what, bring acknowledgement to those that are saying, you know what, I deserve special privileges and so forth. And all of it is what's called virtue signaling, which again is trying to put forth this idea that I'm righteous based on my position or what I'm doing, you know, to help others in their so-called position that they're in. Again, the social gospel is uh, hell is an injustice. Salvation comes through ministering to that injustice or doing works for that injustice. And Jesus just came to be our example. Now, listen, there's a lot of injustices in the world for sure. And we shouldn't be ignorant to true ones. We should strive to want to minister to those. But if those ministries are void of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what good ultimately are we doing? Look at the truth is we are all sinners. All of us are, no matter our backgrounds or however we arrived here today. And we can only maybe righteous, be made righteous through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And listen, listen, this is why it's imperative that we are preaching the gospel, the clear gospel message of Jesus more than we ever have, because even in Christianity, it is just getting inundated with these false gospels. And as such were some of you as being thrown out the door, and it's even bring your sin right before the Lord and identify even in those sayings. Look, at, I don't want to identify my old sins. I thank God that I'm forgiven of them. I want to identify in the Lord Jesus himself. So positionally, we're purified through faith in Jesus, and it is the good news that we need to proclaim. But notice what he says here, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Look at earlier in this chapter, Peter said, be holy as he is holy. And this is a call to practical purification or as the word purify means to make clean, it's a call to clean Christ-centered living. Look at, we haven't been forgiven by God to again go back to identify with our old sins or to practice our old sins We have been purified by the Lord to live lives unto the Lord. Again, I'll say it all over again, not to legalisms and us making our own rules and moving by our own convictions, but to live according to the scriptures. And let me tell you, good living is found living according to the scriptures. Now, there is a responsibility put before us in this. There's a lot of people, they get saved, and then they kind of get this uh, idea, I call it the Holy Ghost float, that I'm going to get saved, and the Lord's going to just kind of float me through life, and so forth. And here's the thing, we get saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we choose, do I want to take up my cross and follow the Lord, and be a man or a woman of God, or am I going to sit here in spiritual diapers and wallow in an immaturity, and then even go back to those things that I have been forgiven from. Now, the good news is the Lord will empower you absolutely. There is the, the filling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that He wants to give us daily. There's the renewing of the mind. But here's the thing. We have to be a people that say, I want to live for the Lord. I want to cleanse my soul practically daily in how I live. There's a human responsibility involved in that. Notice 2 Corinthians 7, 1. He says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, notice, let us cleanse ourselves. So I need to cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Notice, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, knowing I am going to face a judgment for how I live my life as a Christian And knowing that Jesus Christ shed his blood for me so I can be saved. So I need to cleanse myself and be a person wanting to live a holy life unto God Almighty. You'll see this throughout the word of God. Titus 2.11 it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. 
Listen, grace doesn't teach us, hey, look at you're not saved by your works, but through what the Lord has done for you, so you're free. So go live an impure life. Just go engage in sin because you're saved and it doesn't really matter. No, grace teaches us that I am saved again through the work of the cross, the gift of the Lord, and now I have a call to deny ungodliness and to strive for holiness. To want to live a life unto God Almighty. Notice 2 Timothy 2.15. Again, the same truths are put forward. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of the sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of the sum, of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows who, those who are his. And then notice, let everyone who names the name of Christ, do you name the name of Christ today? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so again, it's a call for us to depart it's a call for us to cleanse ourselves it's a call for us to be people striving not again this isn't a works thing to add to my salvation you're either positionally right with god or not by grace through faith in the lord jesus christ or you do not put your faith on the lord jesus christ that's it there's a camp and b camp and that is it but if you're in a camp if your faith is in the lord jesus christ i am called to depart from iniquity I am called to clean up my life in the way that I'm living. Now, again, God will absolutely aid us and help us and empower us to do that. But we have to be a people that want to do that, that recognize the importance of doing that. Interesting in the passage I just read, look at the context. There isn't just personal iniquity that I'm called to depart from. But if you read the context here, and it's the reason why I read for 15 through 19. It's also the call to depart from false teachers. Because false teachers pollute souls. Notice Hymenus and Philetus. Sounds like a couple diseases. <laughs> they spread cancer. And they, overflow, they overthrow the faith of some. I get so frustrated that so many false teachers bringing false gospels, a false spirit, a false Jesus, just get a pass over and over and over and over again. And people even having this idea, well, I can eat the meat and spit out the bones. Listen, that is not scriptural. He says, depart from iniquity. He's talking about personal iniquity as well as the iniquity of false teachers that are spreading cancers that are polluting souls and absolutely that are shipwrecking faith. Now, all of these things, this call to walk again in purity before the Lord, to be a people that keep short accounts with the Lord, it is for your and mine good. It is not for our harm. I love, there's so many verses like this. Proverbs 3, 5, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Does that not sound like good news? God will strengthen you. He, he, he will undergird you. There's an empowering of the Holy Spirit that comes into the life of the individual that has reverence for God and wants to live unto the Lord. They want to depart from that which is wicked. God does not empower rebellion, but he will empower the individual that says, Lord, I want to live for you. I need your help. Help me, Lord. God is ready to empower us with the Spirit of God day in and day out. But we need to take on that mentality. We need to have a fear of God and a recognition. I am called to depart from iniquity. Grace is not there that I wallow iniquity. Grace teaches me to depart from iniquity and live for God Almighty. Again, the grace of God is where Jesus atoned for our sins. It's where He washed away our sins. So that teaches us to be a people to not take grace, to use it for lasciviousness or a license to sin, but to recognize I am called to live a life of holiness unto God Almighty. Now again, since you have purified your souls, since you have, again, made clean your souls, 
a responsibility on us. And then this every day, I want to give some practical examples here. Every day we have a choice to make. Will I put pure things into my soul and before my eyes? Or will I pollute my soul each day and the things that I consume and the things that I partake of and so forth? We all make that choice. The right, well, the devil made me do it. Look, at the devil can tempt you, but at the end of the day, we do it or we don't. Well, you know, I got influenced by the world, so it's the world's fault. Look, they could influence you, but it is our fault. We are the ones that make those choices. And we really need to drive this home because, again, we're living in a day where everyone wants to blame everyone else for whatever, and we are going to be held accountable for our own lives before God Almighty. Galatians 6, 7, a verse I refer to often. Again, notice how it starts. It's similar there to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. He says, do not be deceived. Look at the whole word is there so that we're not deceived. But when it says do not be deceived, it's saying that it's doubling down on a fact. This is an area where a lot of people walk with a lot of deception. Do not be deceived. Then notice God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. He who sows of the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So do not be deceived. In other words, God's not mocked. You can't mock God in this area. Whatever a man sows, that's every one of us in this room. We're the ones that sow things into our hearts. Whether it's things of God, things that are good, or things of the world and things that are wicked. And again, some people say, well, I'm under grace. I got freedom. I can sow into my heart whatever I want. And that's a true statement. But listen, don't be deceived. You're not going to mock God by sowing wickedness into your life continually and think that you're going to abound. You're going to reap corruption. You're going to reap correction. You're not going to reap the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord, an empowered witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not be mocked in that. Whatever we sow into our heart absolutely is going to produce what comes out of our heart. Again, as we've talked about, we'll read it here in a second. Whatever we present ourselves to, we are going to be a slave to serve that. And how many people are running around that know the Lord that you don't even love the Lord and they're either ignorant to these teachings or they just ignore these teachings and they run around and they just sow into their hearts all day the things of the world and it's easy to do that is there not I mean it is literally at your fingertips you can sit there and just consume the things of the world all day long and the world will lie and the devil will lie and your flesh will lie saying boy this is the good life isn't it but it just reaps corruption Look, and I'm convinced there's so much depression in our world and so many downtrodden people in the midst of all this stinking wealth that we have. And we got wealth coming out of our ears. It is just everywhere compared to the history of the world where most people didn't even have a pair of shoes. We are abounding in it. And yet, why are there so many people walking around under depressions and so forth? Because they sow under their hearts nonstop the garbage and the lies of the wicked one that just abound all around us. And they even put forth themselves, you know, with a cloak of righteousness when most of it is just so, so unrighteous and wrong. So don't be deceived in this. Maybe you're even here this morning and you know the Lord, but you just feel like you're, you, you, you lack the joy of the Lord, the fruits of the Spirit. You're just, you know, day to day, barely getting through and so forth. It may be very well that it's because what you are sowing into your heart, which you are choosing to sow into your heart. Again, we have a choice in this. This is human responsibility here. What are we sowing into our hearts? If it's of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. It's a picture again of the the springing up of the Spirit of God, life abounding in us. As the Lord says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. I want that abundant life. I don't want just life and going, hey, I got life. My name's written in heaven. I want to walk an abundant life here on earth. And I know that takes me doing some soldiering. I know that means I got to sow the right things into my heart. I got to have some discipline. Again, we're 
disciples of Jesus, discipline for Jesus. And the thing in it, though, it brings life. It brings abundance. You don't lose when you don't listen to those lies and you sow the things of God into your heart. So again, whatever a man sows or allows into his heart. Now, this is a call to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.2 says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So get God's word in your heart, for they are like life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And then notice verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Again, you're going to see this throughout the word. Whatever you're sowing into your life, is going to dictate what comes out of your life. It's going to dictate your mindset. It's going to dictate, you know, your soul state, everything else. And again, notice, you guard your heart. Yes, as a parent raising children, I have a duty to guard their heart, but I raise them to be adults, and then they take the baton, and they need to guard their heart. As a church, we, we do our best here to try to Guard this place from those false teachers and these various things that are not God. Again, we're, we, the, the pastors in this church will give an account for your souls. 100%. And that's why I don't get upset when people get mad at me for pointing out false teachers. I'm going to give an account for God. I want to be right before God. If that, you know what, gets you upset, I, I, I want to do that in a loving way. If, if the way I came off or the big vein was coming out of my head and that scared you, forgive me for that. <laughs> but it's no small matter. So I, I got a duty to, to guard this fellowship, but ultimately you can leave here and do whatever you want. I'm just a watchman. Then you do with it what you want. You got to guard your own soul. You got to guard your home and notice you got to do it with all diligence. And this is where someone will say, well, listen, I, I want to guard what goes in my heart. But everywhere I go, where I work, I'm just sub- subjected to garbage nonstop. My son who's going to teach next week, he works out there at the, the county jail. And he's like, Dad, the things that go on out here is just insanity. And he's learning to go out there each day to guard his heart, to do his job well, to guard his heart and having empathy for these guys that are arrested there, that it's so easy to just say, I'm, you know what, Oh, my goodness, because of the behaviors and the attitude and everything else. And to guard his heart as well in in the verbiage and all the various things out there. you got to guard your heart. We're all going to be subjected to those influences. Again, we don't want to subject ourselves to them willingly, but we're in a fallen world, so we got to guard our heart. And we go back to 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, just, just for simple instruction on this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every thigh thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and ready, ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And this is how you go out into a world with all these influences and guard your heart when the temptations come up, when the dirty joke comes up, when the foulness comes up, when the pornography pops up, I guard my heart by saying, no, that's wrong. I will not feast on that. I will not think on that. I'm going to put that down by the truth of scriptures. I'm going to stand in the word of God and I'm not going to allow that to come in, to creep into my soul, to take away from the abundant life that the Lord has for me. Again, pornographic images we have to have the mindset of job he said i will i uh, i will excuse me i will make a covenant with my eyes why then i should i look on a young woman or psalm 119 37 turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your ways and again this is the mentality we have to have the things i hear i take captive the things i see i turn away i don't feast my eyes on these things that are not of the Lord. And these are areas that we can train ourselves in by God's help. I don't do that. And it helps a whole lot when you put before you, if I take this in, I'm going to reap corruption. And some will say, well, I won't though. I got a good walk with the Lord. God's not mocked. You will. That's why I'm saying that. We get to mock God and get away from that. We need to be careful even, man, I got to, you know, I'm doing good with the Lord and this comes up and 
You know, it, it, again, you have, you have freedom to put into you whatever you want if you're under grace, but God won't be mocked. You'll bring in corruption. And sometimes maybe you're in a place where you're doing what, wrong, good with the Lord and there's something there that's just kind of foul and you're watching. You're like, well, you know, that's not affecting me or whatever. I can watch this. I'm not being tempted. You're still sowing it into your heart and sometimes those seeds get down and then later on they pop up. Then you wake up the next day and you're like, man, why do I just feel so angry today? Why, why, do, why do I feel so lustful today? Or why do I feel so pride today? Whatever. And then you go back. Oh, yeah, all that stuff I sowed into my heart. See, the devil, man, he's, he, he, has, he has set up a system that just wrecks people because we're an entertainment-driven world. And again, I know there's other influences, but we're an entertainment-driven world. Where it's just continual entertainment. There's people, they live their whole life, and all they do is sit around, and they're entertained all day long. Can you imagine what that does to the soul? I mean, you look around, you wonder why we are such in such a mess. Oh, Steve, boo, legalism, what's wrong with you? No, this is the liberty taught in the Word of God. Guard your hearts, man. Guard your hearts. Because if you just want to sit there and let God-haters feed your soul and so forth, you're going to reap a corruption from that. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit are so much better. Look, I'm not going to touch all these points for time's sake. They're there in your notes. Again, we have wicked thoughts that come up right from our own heart. We need to put those down. We can't say, well, I got a feeling or whatever. No, what does God's word say on the matter period we have to choose to take up our cross and follow the lord again it ain't a matter of i'm saved now the lord's going to throw that cross on me every day i got to choose to pick it up to say i'm going to be a disciple of the lord i know we're preaching maturity we're trying to preach christian adulthood here god wants us growing up into this again it's time to quit blaming everyone else and saying what am i doing with my life what are the choices that i am making i want to choose to walk in holiness i want to purify my life and purify my souls and again it's not an effort to save myself i am saved by the lord period he is the good news he is the gospel but i've been saved with an incorruptible seed with a aim to live an incorruptible life to the glory of god and that is a good life lived again we've talked about forgiveness to forgive others versus again sowing even in my own heart through my own mind's bitterness and living out you know past hurts and so forth that does not bring life it brings bondages and so whatever we present ourselves to there we looked at this recently in romans romans 6 12 do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you shall obey its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness and sin but present yourself to god and then notice verse 16 do you not know that whom you present yourself slaves to obey that you are that one slaves whom you obey whether a sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness i do not want to be a slave to this world I do not want to be a slave to the devil. I do not want to be a slave to wicked Hollywood and all the nonsense that comes out of it. Again, try to take that mentality on. Am I going to let God-haters here influence me and sow their, their occult nonsense into my heart? Or I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to guard my heart. Because again, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow in is going to bring forth something. And the more you sow the things of God into your heart, look, there are so many good resources that are out there. I know that sometimes, you know, people get mad at me because I'll point out false teachers. Go walk around our bookstore out there. It is loaded with hundreds of sound authors. Turn on our radio station. There's over 25 ministries on that radio station. There is all kinds of awesome. We, we are blessed still to this day, even in the midst of a wayward christianum in much of it there is still a sound remnant and records of past men and women that have gone to be with the lord that have just left us a legacy of things to feast our soul on that are good that will bring life that will absolutely cause us to walk with the power of the spirit of god so again you have purified your souls how so what we just read, what we're presenting ourselves to, and then notice, in obeying the truth. We purify ourselves practically through obeying the truth. The word obey means to attentive, harkingly. 
compliance or submission. So, so it's, it's a heartfelt, yielded compliance to the word of God, to the truth. I don't get ahead of myself here, but the truth is the word of God. Where again, I'm not just walking in it, but I'm yielded to it. There, there's a story about a kid. I'll probably butcher the story because I'm not good at stories. I'm just more like saying dumb stuff every once in a while that someone laughs at and so forth. But there, there is a, a rebellious kid and the mom kept correcting him and so forth and finally said, you need to go sit in the corner. And so they finally got the kid in the corner and he's sitting there and they're, oh good, he's sitting over there. And the kid yells out, yes, but I'm standing in my heart. And that's how a lot of Christians are. They, they take and they, get, they, 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 they do these things begrudgingly. Maybe even some of you this morning, I hope that's not the case. We're talking about holy living. I hope it's not, oh yeah, here we go, holy living and so forth. Well, I got to go do it. And I do it begrudgingly. No, obedience is I'm yielded to it. And if that's the mindset, you need to get it renewed because God is the giver of life. God is good. God's not saying these things to spoil your life or so you miss out on some cheap entertainment that's just going to pollute your soul. And I know we get addicted to these sayings and hooked on these sayings. And, and you know, it, 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 the, sometimes the thought of, you know, it, maybe cutting that out of your life or tuning this down or really, as I look at this, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow the scope of it and really try to take my thoughts captive even while I'm watching this or whatever. You know, some people, they just freak out of that because that becomes like their refuge and so forth. No, no, no. Look it. We don't want to... To, to, to serve him again with a begrudging heart. And let me tell you, if you have those fears, step out in faith and watch what Jesus does. Step out with the Lord. So on being the truth, we need to ask the question, what's the truth? Is it you have your truth and I have my truth? Because surveys show even most Christians today, they base their truth on their feelings. I think something like 90, 97%. You got your truth, I got my truth. And again, it doesn't work that way. They say, oh, there's no absolute truth, and I say it all the time, then that's wrong because saying there's no absolute truth, you're putting it forth as an absolute truth. It, it counsels itself out. It's like when Shannon always says, you, you used a double negative when you were teaching up there in that sentence, so you canceled out what you were trying to say. Again, that's what that is. There is the truth, and it's the word of God. Don't, don't you think Jesus knows what he's talking about? Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them or purify them or make them holy by your truth. Your word is truth. And then Psalm 12, 6, it says, the words of the Lord are pure words, <clears throat> like a tried, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forevermore. So if God's word is pure, look at sowing God's word into our heart and obeying God's word is going to produce a more pure life. Live for the Lord. Not only is the word true, but we read in Psalm 38 too, he magnifies his word above his name. And we need to take that to heart because there's so many people that got a low view of God's word. They got a high view of an experience. They got a high view of an emotion. They got a high view of it looks like something happening. And then you go, well, what's God's word say? Boo, don't open up God's word. They got a low view of the word. They say, what's God's word say about this? Oh, how dare you say that, you Pharisee? Hey, take it easy. Look at the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men to pin the holy word. So if you say this is the Holy Spirit, it's going to line up with the holy word of God, and we should have no issues at all. But God's word is just getting trampled so much. And how sad, because God's word saves us. The gospel of Christ is the power of God into salvation, Romans 1.16. God's word sets us free. As Jesus says there in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's word washes us. We read in Ephesians 5.26, and absolutely, Psalm 119.9, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. 
Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And then notice verse 11. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You wonder why there's so much sin and sin in the world? Because there is so, you know what, few people hiding God's word in their heart. Someone say, well, that doesn't look like love, Steve. Again, that sounds like legalism. You're a Pharisee up there talking about the Bible. I'll take you right back to the words of Jesus. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Oh, yes, we just want to love. Oh, let's love. You know, love is different to everyone. No. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Or think about 1 Corinthians 13. It just talks about love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. And what did Jesus say is truth? Your word is truth. If you're not rejoicing in the word of God, you are not walking in the love of God. If reading some of these verses this morning made you cringe, or like, oh, no, no. Look at that. That's, that's not only a holiness problem, that's a love problem. Are you loving God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength? That starts by rejoicing in the truth and absolutely subjecting our hearts and our souls to the word of God and saying, I want God's word to govern me. In fact, that's what it means to walk in the Word, walk in the Spirit. Again, people think of the Holy Spirit and this, you know, these emotions and all this stuff. To walk in the Spirit means you are governed by the Word of God. If you're not governed by the Word of God, you are not walking in the Holy Spirit. You just aren't. Those things go hand in hand cohesively. So hear this. When we obey the Word, we live a cleaner, pure, more blessed life. And when we disobey the word, when we just willingly disobey the word, it brings a pollution to our soul. It brings leaven into our life. And leaven unchecked will absolutely multiply. Sin does not lay dormant. Impure things do not lay dormant in your soul. That's why those things need to be brought to the light. And that's where you go, man, I want to live a pure life, but I'm, I'm struggling with this. Then bring that to the Lord. That blesses your God. Bring your struggle before the Lord. Bring it into the light. Acknowledge it. Look at The Lord went to the cross because he knows we're a bunch of sinners. He knows we can't save ourselves. And this is where, again, we put the emphasis on God's word renewing our minds as well as on the Holy Spirit. Because notice, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, the truth of God's word, through the spirit and sincere love of the brother and love one another fervently with a pure heart. Look, at if you're in Christ this morning, you are not alone. You are no orphan. You have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you. I will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We talk about purification and washing. Notice Titus 3, 4, and 5. But when the kindness of, and the love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Notice here, through the washing and re regeneration of the whole, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, the Lord in his ministry speaks of torrents of living water in John 7 that will come out of the life of the believer. That's an empowerment. But he also taught, and he's speaking to believers, to obtain that power, we have to ask him. And it's not just a, hey, I do whatever I want to do. And by the way, empower me with the Holy Spirit. It's an asking of, I want to turn from sin. I don't want to have pollution into my heart. Forgive me for grieving your spirit. Forgive me for quenching the spirit. In fact, on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and men asked, how can I obtain this? They're told to repent. Repent. And say, so I repented, I I ask the Lord forgive me so I bound in the whole power of the Holy Spirit everywhere I go no matter what I do and who I listen to and what I saw in my life no 
Look at yes, we get sealed with the Spirit, but that empowerment comes. I, I say the big R is when I repent, and then daily I am called to repent or to be a person that wants to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, empower me with your Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. if you then being evil or you being sinners, like what, what I learned from church today? Well, I learned Jesus said I'm evil. <laughs> if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your, will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. Before we came to Christ, he was not our heavenly father. So this is, again, I need to get God's word in my heart. I need to make the choice to say, again, I'm not going to pollute myself with these things. I'm going to get God's word in my heart. And I'm going to say, Lord, help me with that. And then on top of that, I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to ask. And again, it's not an asking of, I run towards the altar and we all have this experience. And then I went right back to the garbage of the world looking just like the world. That is not a spirit-filled life. Just because you can speak in tongues does not mean you're abounding in the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. Because I know a lot of tongue speakers, they look just like the world out there. It means I'm going to get filled up because I want to live for God and I want the love of God to abound out of my life. Because notice what he says next. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a, notice, a pure heart. A pure heart. A Spirit-filled life. A life rooted in the Word. A life that is not polluting its soul continually with nonsense, but instead seeding the things of God in their life is going to be a life that first is loving God, then has the capability of loving one another. But if you just want to pollute your soul with false doctrines, false teachings, the things of the world, experiences, you are not going to be able to manifest love for others because love for God comes first. And those other things are not loving God. But this is part of the fruit that comes from, again, holiness. From saying, I want to live a pure life. I don't know about you guys, but I know when I... You know what, if I, I get into a routine where I'm seeding my soul with just things that are not of God, I, I don't have the same kind of, of, of love and gentleness that, that I have when I'm not doing that. The Lord showed me this years ago. I, I would, would, for, for, there was about a year period where I'd preach on Wednesday night, and then I went home and I watched a certain program about biker gangs. And I kind of justified it because... Look, there's a lot of, excuse me, motorcycle clubs. Uh, there's a lot of those around there. I kind of grew up in these elements and so forth. It was well written and so forth and put together pretty good. But the, but the foulness, and well, I got freedom in the Lord to watch this. But I started noticing every time I watched that, I ref, I, you know, a little bit of my soul reflected the attitudes in there. A little bit of chippiness on me and so forth. And I don't need any more chippiness. I need that crucified. I saw kind of a lack of gentleness and so forth. And people say, oh, Steve, you got freedom. Just sit there. You know, Jesus there. You on the couch there. Oh, taking it in and so forth. Man, look how good this is. But it was affecting me. And I finally just said, you know what? That's entertaining and so forth. And my flesh enjoys it. But I need to cut it out. And when I cut that out, all of a sudden, I, I saw a little more of a gentleness and kindness in me, which I need. I need those things. And in other areas of my life, look at years ago, about five years ago, I started, and I want to be careful with this because the Bible, you know, we're not to boast of these things. I give the glory to God in these things. I started fasting on a regular basis. And I started seeing God changing my soul and giving me more of a gentleness and a kindness. And, you know, every little thing, I wasn't flared up. Hey, let's go. Let's ride. You know, it was like more like, hey, let's walk up to this and try to minister to it. And I know it went back to what I was seeding into my heart. And it wasn't that I was lacking Bible study and all those things. And I wasn't. But those things that I was sowing into my heart was bringing forth corruption out of my life. I'm not here to put us under a law of legalism today. Look at, this is liberty that we're talking about. This is getting freed up from the bondage that the world that is dying around us is under. It's beautiful when brothers are loving one another. It's beautiful when there's a fervent love that's again coming from a purity. That comes out of a 
holy life, pure love comes forth from that. And I'll tell you, let me tell you something this morning. I have been blessed so much over the last three years because I've seen three, four, maybe five years, such a change in this fellowship. And I think a lot of the things in the world have sobered a lot of people up. Even a lot of these things I'm saying, because listen, there was a time in times past when I would preach a message like this, and probably 10 people, I'm telling you, it's happened many times, got up and walk out of the room. Literally get up and walk. And there ain't any amens or responses except maybe one here or there. But there's been a lot of things that have sobered a lot of people up and have recognized, boy, there's a lot of stinking liars out there. I want to start guarding my soul. I want to start guarding my kids' souls. I, I want to be careful with what I'm putting in me and so forth. And look at some people say, man, this has been tired, hard, and difficult, and so forth. But I've seen love come out of it because I think believers in this fellowship have been striving more to watch their soul and purify their lives to live for the Lord. And if love for one another comes out of that, is that not a good thing? Now, if we're all walking around saying, oh, yeah, look at us, we're so holy, and so forth, legalistic churches, they have no love in them. It's horrible. You walk in and, oh, they give you looks and so forth. And you know what? It's just non-existence because it's self-righteousness. But where there's freedom and purity and the Word and the Spirit and just the people saying, I want what God has for us, a love comes, comes out, you know what, for one another because in these things we're walking in a manner that loves the Lord. Now we got three verses here. I spent a lot in that first one. And we'll be able to wrap these ones up fast because we've covered most of this. So a pure, you know what? Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, we've spoken of that. We're born again when we put faith in Christ. We're born into the Spirit. Notice, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. It's the gospel that saves. This is why, this is why uh, you know what? Paul says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And this is why I went out. Again, I'll be the bad guy this morning. This is why I get skeptical when people say it's a revival, but no one's preaching the gospel. <laughs> Look, at if people want to get together with heartfelt worship to God, that's great. But when the gospel's not being preached, you can't get saved without the gospel. <laughs> the gospel's got to get preached. And look, we've been saved through the word of God. It was seeded into our heart, and it's an incorruptible seed. It's a pure seed. And again, that seed wasn't planted in us then to go to live corrupted lives, but to live lives that are not corrupted by the world. Thus, what he says earlier, be holy as I am holy. Be holy in all your conduct. Remember, your conduct is your thought. It's, It's what you busy yourself with and so forth. And so we've been, again, given this incorruptible seed in our hearts that brought us to salvation. And here's the deal. Look at People are going to do what they're going to do. All we can do is be responsible for what we do. And, and it's my hope that we are a, a people, a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make it your aim as you leave here today to be a seed planter, to plant the word of God. And people say, oh, man, I don't know how to do that. And this is why I always tell people, Get some gospel tracks. Get some gospel tracks. As we were packing for Israel, I, I, I noticed that I just bought uh, six or 12 pairs of new socks, and half of them were already missing. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want to bring 10 pairs of socks to Israel. I don't want to do laundry when I'm there. 12, 12 pairs and six or, six or so are missing, and one of my lovely daughters has decided to use them for the gym, and where are my socks? I don't know. So I have to go down to the big five last night. And I'm in there. There ain't no one out. Like there's, everyone's cold in their home, you know, and so forth. And I go in there. There's two guys in there. Hey, how's it going, guys? And so forth. We talk a little bit. I go find my socks. And again, they're like, man, we're bored here tonight. And I go, well, look, I got something for you to read. A couple booklets about the Lord and threw them down there. And the one, if you guys seen it, it's a Gomez is coming. It's like a cholo with like a knife on it. And they're like, awesome. (laughs) And they had to work. And I needed to go wash my new socks now. 
But there was a seed planted. Because I saw him picking those things up and starting to read them as I left the store. Again, the gospel saves people. It's, it's the word of God which lives and abides forever. And hear this, it's for every generation. And let's not be ashamed of in this generation because you're going to get shamed if you stand for the gospel and the word in this generation. But it saves souls. And then notice verse 24. All flesh is as grass. And this is about the glory of God's word. Again, we should be excited about the word of God. There's not enough excitement about the word of God. That's a work of the devil. Because all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls away. This is from Isaiah chapter 46 through 8. Again, life comes and it goes so fast. Men get in their glorious states and it comes and goes so quick. With all this rain, we're going to have so much wild grass and wild flowers. It's going to be a beautiful spring, but guess what comes after spring? Y'all know it's summer. And we're going to get those maybe 110 degree days here and there. And all of that is going to wither up so quickly. I thought of, of Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but the woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. So again, all this is going to pass all this is going to fall away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Look at the word endure, it means to suffer patiently with. God's word endures forever, patiently suffering with us. Here's, here's the thing for us, though, as we're talking about human responsibility. Will you endure the word of God? Will you endure the word of God? We read in 2 Timothy 4, we are charged to preach the word in season and out of season. It says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And we looked at this many times. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll be teachers for themselves and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We are living in that time right now. That is much of Christianum today stuff going on and so forth and then you go hey what's the word of god say about that boo who let the pharisee in who let the spirit of religion in bro this is the word of god and if what you're doing is of the holy spirit it will line up with the word of god and people are gonna say open up that bible i get a big red flag when people go oh why do you got to bring the bible into this I heard an interview last, uh, it was last night, and these guys that came out of that hippie movement, a lot of people talking about that with the movie and whatnot. And um, they were talking about Calvary Chapel and how the guy in the movie, Lonnie Fros Frisbee, he, had, he, he got removed from Calvary Chapel. You know, did the Lord work through him? I'll, you know what? God knows all of that. But the guy... Had a, had a lifestyle of homosexuality that he kept hidden and practiced and so forth. He died of AIDS. And this is something that, that he wavered on back and forth his whole time. But then on top of that, he wanted all of these, everything was about signs and wonders. And signs and wonders are good. I see signs and wonders all the time, but signs and wonders of God come when we follow Jesus first, not when we chase signs and wonders. And these, those services were just getting chaotic and out of order and so forth. And look, at if the word of God had not been implanted in those hippies' lives, that thing wouldn't have gone anywhere. It's because God's word was being taught to those hippies. The word of God was being taught. So in this thing, they were talking about how, you know what? Uh, there was one night when, when everyone kept sing, singing in tongues and so forth. And the guy up there said, you need to stop. You need to stop. This isn't scriptural. And these guys concluded that that's when apostasy came upon that movement. I'm like, you guys are just, you're, look at that, that movement exploded because the word of God was taught. And there might have been some weird functionings and so forth. There were kids that were hungering for God, but then how did they grow and how did a network of churches grow? There's still many of them that are sound because the word of God was taught. They got God's word in their heart. And you take that out of that. 
Oh, my goodness. And I'll tell you, so many of them just said, Put, oh, boo, God's word, apostasy. That's what these guys were saying. It's not scriptural for everybody to sing in tongues. That's not scriptural. It's two or three at the most with an interpretation. Other than that, do it to yourself in your closet. Oh, boo, the Holy Spirit, spirit of religion. That's the word of God, man. Do you not love God's word? That's the word of God. There's that vein. I stand on the, we got to stand on the word. And be unapologetic because you're going to get beat up if you stand on the word. Oh, what's the word say about that? Again, who let in, you know, who, who let in the, you know, the, all, the, all these different names and so forth. Whatever, you want a name, call, whatever. I want to stand on the word of God. And I think the word's been taught today with some demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just not seeing a lot of that type of preaching and so forth. And these things void of the gospel. And then bringing in these other doctrines and so forth. All this identify, this, this third way homosexuality and this stuff. That's not the gospel either. Man, God wants to forgive you and liberate you and teach you who you are in the Lord. Yes, he loves everyone in sin, but we want to get what God has us for the word of God. Not what men are conjuring up over here that despise the scriptures. I'll close with this last thing. I'm going to butcher it, but I read a quote by Tozer the other day. And he wrote this thing like in the 50s. And he said, if we have a revival right now, Based on how the church is right now, it will take us a hundred years to recover. That's like in the fifties, because he saw a moving away from fundamentals into an embracing again of the social gospel back then. And he's saying, "Look at the Bible's not being taught. That was back then. And if there's a revival like this, this is on emotion and all this social gospel. It's going to take a hundred years to recover. We are so far removed from that." So far removed from that. Praise God for his word. And here's the thing. You can be so far away from God, but it's one step back. That's all it is. Lord, we praise you today. We give you glory. God, we give you honor. We give you praise, Lord. Lord, help us to to finish well, lifting our voices to you right now, giving you praise. And we just thank you for the scriptures. I pray we'll have a reverence for the scriptures that were written by the Holy Spirit who moved upon holy men and if there's any here today that haven't called on you lord we've heard the good news today the bad news of sin and hell and wrath but the good news of what jesus has done and if you haven't called upon the lord call on him today get born again today put your faith in him today he will meet you where you are at we love you lord we pray these things lord in jesus name and we sit together amen let's stand up and close in worship of the lord
God is good. Amen. Amen. I pray you guys have a wonderful day in the Lord. Greet one another. Pray with one another. Weep. Rejoice with one another. Have a blessed day in Jesus. God bless you.